The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is March 15th. We are going to be talking about the NBA Finals excitement rankings for the Milwaukee Bucks. So if the Milwaukee Bucks were to get to the NBA Finals, what matchups would be the most excited in lieu of seeing a couple teams on the West Coast, a couple teams that would make that list. We'll also talk about the Bucks' good win against the Phoenix Suns, clamping it down, clinching the playoffs, first team to 50 wins, Three up now in, for the one seed. Really good stuff right now for the Milwaukee Bucks. They are rolling. Uh, we'll also talk about a stat that would encourage you about Marquette and a stat that would scare you about Marquette. So we'll break down both of those. We'll talk about which stat we should consider, which stat we should feel good about. Uh, we'll get we'll get into all that. Then we'll talk about free agency departures. Uh, we have no longer uh, Alan Lazard or Jaron Reed on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we'll react to that. We'll maybe talk a little bit about Rodgers. I understand that this podcast is going to be out about 8.45. I realize that by most people listening, Rodgers will have already talked about McAfee. We'll talk all about it tomorrow. It will be our lead topic, uh, reacting to whatever happens. If it's nothing, if it's a nothing burger, some people have said it's going to be Al Capone Vault, Geraldo Rivera. That's an old school reference for uh, some of the younger guys, but uh, we'll, we'll have a full reaction show on that, talk a little bit more about Marquette in terms of the nitty-gritty with Vermont uh, and get into sort of the matchup, if you will. Uh, so we'll do more of a preview there and talk more on the path. So more Marquette stuff to come uh, tomorrow as long as, uh, as well as stuff with Aaron Rodgers. Before we get going, just a reminder, uh, we are all over social media, Tabby Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. Uh, also, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast, uh, which would be great. Uh, we would love that out of you, uh, that you're subscribed. The listens have been unreal uh, for pretty much the month of May. It's been an incredible, our March, it's not May yet. Uh, I hope not. That's my wife's birthday. I don't have anything. Uh, so it is March. And yes, this is March. Shout out John Rothstein. And it's been a great month so far for us. So we're hoping to keep it rolling. We have a ton of good content coming out uh, this you know, coming month. We have reaction pods, things like that for Marquette. Uh, so those will be there. Those will be available. So I hope you guys listen. I hope you guys enjoy all that we'll have on the table for you. And if you're already subscribed, please leave a review. I really would appreciate it. Uh, someone shouted me out on Twitter and was like, hey, what can I do to help out the show? And Or he asked if there was merch, which like me, like turned off bells in my head. I was like, God damn it. I need, need to have some sort of merch, some sort of thing going on. But if you do want to support the show, I think leaving a review would be great. Sharing the show, telling a friend about what we, what we have going on here, shooting this into the group chat, being like, hey, if you guys listen to this guy, that stuff, we really appreciate. That would be basically showing your support, uh, either a review or sharing it out to your friends. Uh, we would really greatly appreciate that. Uh, before we get going, I know we're already long. We usually, by this point, we've already got into it. This is a long open. I apologize. Uh we do have a second prize for the Tabby Keg Madness. It is a Retro Daddy crew neck. A retro Daddy getting on board. One of our buddies. We've had him on the show. Uh, the crew neck will be available. We I haven't decide, decided if it's going to be second or third. Uh, we'll news to come on that. But free crew neck if you do take second or third. Uh, so that is a new prize. Uh, welcome aboard to him. Make sure you're following him on Instagram. It is it is the Retro Daddy on Instagram. Make sure 
you're following along with him, uh, that you're you know showing support, showing love. He's contributing something here. So make sure that you are also following him on Instagram. Not necessary to enter, but we'd really appreciate the support. So make sure you're doing, doing that. And now let's get into the show. Milwaukee Bucks are the number one seed in the NBA Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks have looked dominant against two of the better West teams in the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns. I'd argue they looked better against the Phoenix Suns than they did the Kings. Uh, they played a really good first half. They came out firing. Uh, this third quarter wasn't the best for the Bucs. Uh, they were a little tired, and then they turned it on in the fourth quarter and pulled away from the Suns, just like they did against Sacramento Kings the night before. The Bucs probably should have been a 3-0 West Coast road trip, which would have been there. would have been 6-0 on the West Coast uh, down the stretch here as they were 3-0 the last time they went out West to beat Portland and both of the LA teams. So 5-1 in their last, last six West Coast games and Five of those or, or six, yeah, five of those six games are against teams that could legitimately find themselves in the NBA Finals. And when I get to thinking about the NBA Finals, and and while it's a long road, right, it's not easy. I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I'm not saying like the Bucks are a lock to get to the NBA Finals. Are they the clear title favorite? Absolutely. I think there is no question in my mind that the Milwaukee Bucks are the top team in the NBA. They're, they look incredible. They are so deep. They can come at you in so many different ways. It's a different guy every night. The way Brooke Lopez is scoring, the way that True Holiday can have those random 20 to 30-point games, Chris Middleton coming back to life on Monday night with 31. Like The Bucks are, are absolutely on fire, and it, you're just seeing it from all angles. And it's like, how do we stop this team on a night-in, night-out basis? So, yes, they are a title favorite. So, talking about the NBA Finals isn't exactly jinxing them. It's more saying, all right, if you look at this, like, what are you the most excited about? And excited is a funny word because you could look at it as you're excited because you think you could beat the shit out of them. And you're like, all right, this is going to be a cakewalk. This is going to be a 4-0, 4-1 series, something like that. Series going to end in four, series going to end in five. You'd be excited because it's a barometer. You want to see where... They stack up against this team. Uh, you can be excited because the matchup's just fun. Like, it's just going to be fun basketball. I'd argue, though, that playoff basketball, while awesome when it's not your team, it is not fun when it is your team. Uh, you, it, you get into the gutter. I believe there are only a few instances where playoff basketball was quote unquote fun for the team. I think the Lakers, when they went 15 and one, I believe, or 16 and one in, in their uh, run to the 2001 championship, that had to be a fun finals. That had to be a fun playoff run because they were kicking everybody's ass. They were so fucking good that year. So I feel like in that scenario, right? Like the Lakers had a great time. Like our Laker fans were on, on cloud nine. Unless the Bucks won like one of those runs. It's still going to be a grind. It's still going to be really tough. And what's really interesting is Philly, who's slowly approaching that second seed. And they're one back now of the Celtics for the second seed. Philadelphia has been the only team so far that has shown themselves as a thorn in Milwaukee's side. You could argue Boston, but I think we really need to see it on the 30th. And it seems like Boston has peaked. It seems like Boston's kind of falling down the hill. The loss to the Rockets was brutal, uh, and they just don't seem to have their shit together. And one of the things that I was harping on early on in the season, and if you listen to some of these shows where I said, hey, 
They have a young coach. They have a guy who hasn't been here before, a guy who doesn't know exactly what it takes to win in the postseason. How is that going to work out? It didn't. I also pointed out that they should be playing Derek White in the, in the crunch time. They've been playing Marcus Smart. They don't want to bench Marcus Smart, I think, because they know if they bench Marcus Smart in crunch time, he is going to go off the rails. I think at some point, the rubber has to meet the road. It'll be interesting to see if Boston makes any sort of real adjustments here down the stretch. You have to think that at some point, Boston's going to switch up what they're, what's going on, but it's not working at the current moment. So let's get into the, the, the excitement power rankings, everything like that. We are not including everybody from the West. It really comes down to teams that I think have a legitimate shot to get to the NBA Finals. So who are we not including before we get going? We're not including the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're not including the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have been an awesome story. I love watching the Thunder play basketball. I really hope they make the playoffs. I think Shai Gildas-Alexander will have a moment in those playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the finals, though. Dallas Mavericks also not included. There was a fire kid avatar from a with Mavericks colors. Uh, CT Diesel called it cultural appropriation. I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, it's it's bad right now uh, for Mavericks fans and Jason Kidd. So those three teams are not included in terms of those that I think could get to the NBA Finals. So though, though there will not be discussions uh, about those teams in the excitement rankings. The first team is it's Bucks Nuggets. It's the two top teams. It's the Bucks. It's it's the Nuggets. It's Jokic. It's Giannis. I think that matchup right there, to me, is extremely exciting. I think there is a possibility that Giannis would absolutely take Jokic to the cleaners and completely destroy every single narrative that we know about Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic is getting exposed for his defense. It's very funny how this all, like, changed on a dime for Nikola Jokic. It's like he got really he got almost too popular. They flew too close to the sun with their Jokic orgasms, and everybody's like, all right, Settle down. And basically, you've seen it now. You've seen everybody just basically expose him for the fraud that he is. The Nuggets, I, I think, are as shaky as a one seed as I can remember. You know, maybe, you know, back in the day, I think there was a, what, the Bulls? Well, the Bulls were a one seed, but Derrick Rose got hurt. So that's not fair. I'm trying to think of, like, Dallas comes to mind. Dallas is the immediate, like, it does feel a little bit like that, like that Dallas team who, but they were, I mean, they won 67 games. They just bizarrely lost that We Believe Warriors team. I'd have to, I'd have to do some research on it, but the Nuggets aren't good. Like the Nuggets aren't, to me, if they were in the, if they were in the East, they'd be a four seed, right? Like, I, I don't know record wise, but I feel like they'd be more of a four, three or four seed. And Giannis against Jokic is Maybe the bird magic of our generation. It could be. I always thought Luca was going to be that guy for Giannis. But I, I think now looking at it and just with the MVP competitions and everything else, like it's Giannis and Jokic at this point. And so it, having a head to head matchup against those two guys would really would be a huge like legacy narrative defining thing. And I do feel good with the Bucks against the Nuggets. Mike Malone, pretty good coach, but I, I think when you, Get to a seven-game series against the Nuggets. You can figure out a lot of things to do against Jokic. Offensively, defensively, I think they have a lot of bodies to throw at Jokic. I think Brook Lopez, you know, can work against Jokic. Hopefully, you know, they do play uh, later this month, and hopefully the Bucs get a clean look on, on the Nuggets. And it's, you know, it's a full look and not just 
okay, a few guys are resting here and there. Um, it, Jamal Murray doesn't worry me as much from a Drew Holiday perspective. I think it would just be it'd be an exciting matchup from the Giannis Jokic perspective. I do feel pretty confident about the Bucks in that series. Uh, I just think the experience and the different different guys they have, I think, would carry them. Uh, the altitude is a little bit of a factor. Um, not gonna lie, like that that has to play a role. Uh, it's a very tough place to win and to win two games there or to win. You know, multiple games is not something that teams do often. So I, I think that's that's part of a, a larger discussion if you were to break that down. Bucks Warriors would be number two. Uh, we just saw the Bucks Warriors. We saw it without Giannis. Uh, I do think if Giannis plays in that game, the Bucks win by probably ten or eleven. Uh, the thing about the Warriors is it it would be a potential passing of the guard. Uh, the last two champions going at it once and for all. Steph versus Giannis, granted, they're not going to head-to-head, of course. But, you know, the legacy of Steph Curry trying to win yet another NBA Finals, uh, the Bucks trying to win their second, you know, and we've seen this in NBA history, right, where it's sort of the, the older team versus the younger team. Now, granted, the Bucs have a ton of veterans, but it's akin to, like, 91 when you had the Lakers playing the Chicago Bulls in the Finals. Like, that. that's kind of what this would remind me of, where it's like, the up-and-coming team versus the team that has already sort of been there before. Can, I'm trying to think of another, like, more recent case of this. I mean, you could have made the case that, that was Boston and, and Golden State last year, but I, I don't think so. I feel like Boston was almost more like a 95 Magic team, right, where they were a young team who found their way in based on, like, a few different things. Like, a few things broke their way, and all of a sudden they're, like, in the NBA Finals. I, to me, like, that's that's more where I would qualify Boston than, than I would, you know, against the, as like the up and coming, the team of the Eastern conference. So yes, I, I think the Bucks and Warriors would be exciting for that. Those storylines. I think I would be more nervously excited for this matchup because the Warriors have the championship pedigree. They've been there before. Uh, they are so good at home. I think to win one game at the chase center would be an accomplishment. They, the fact that they have made the chase center into a bigger Oracle is incredible. I think people don't talk enough about that because the Oracle was so revered and people wrung their hands about San Francisco or the Warriors going to San Francisco, but it's been the same, same environment. It's been the same atmosphere. Uh, just people don't want to talk about it because it doesn't really fit their narrative. But yeah, Bucks Warriors would be awesome. I think that would be an awesome series. It'd be a ton of fun to watch that one. And I do think it would be more nervously excited then, like, I'm just excited because I think the Bucks, Bucks would win that, and Bucks would win. Like, I, I still feel confident against all these teams. Don't get me wrong, but I do think the Warriors are the one where I'm like, okay, this is going to be a little more of a challenge. This is going to be a little more of an uphill climb. Like in the playoffs, everything's a climb, but still, there are. Do you feel how confident do you feel? And I think the confidence against the Warriors is probably at the lowest compared to the other teams I talk about. There's not. One other team that I feel like maybe like in between on that, but uh, we'll get into that. Bucks Lakers. I I mean, look, the Lakers are tenth in the in the West. Uh, they still have some work to do. They're not you know anywhere near like a finals contender. They're playing really good basketball. To me, they're one of the stronger teams right now in the NBA. Like if I had to say, like if you're just doing weekly snapshot power rankings, I think the Lakers would be in my top ten. 
Uh, they're playing very good basketball. Uh, they could, they should get LeBron back soon. Uh, LeBron had an Instagram basically saying he's in the lab, if you will. So it seems like LeBron's going to be back sooner rather than later. I don't think this is a situation where are they better without LeBron James. I think they were playing like this with LeBron too. And so I think there is a chance, there's an outside chance the Lakers could find their way into the final. They need to get to the sixth seed, though. They need to avoid the playing game. And if they can get the sixth seed and play either Memphis or Sacramento in the second round, the first round, it's a pretty easy matchup. If then they're going up against the other one, like there's a path that you could see Lakers Nuggets in, in the conference finals, Lakers Warriors potentially. And, and that could even be a second round game, right? If the Warriors don't get out of the, you know, six, seven spot, like, it could be Lakers Warriors when it's all said and done in either the second or the or the championship round. That would not that not surprise me. Um, but Bucks Lakers, LeBron Giannis, LeBron or Giannis AD uh, playing in LA. You know, just Giannis getting you know sort of the ultimate respect. Right, I feel like. After he played against Boston, so many more people respected what Antetokounmpo does. I think if you, he does that against the Lakers too, I think there would be another you know seminal moment there. And again, it's two past champions of the last three or four years going up against each other. Uh, they, it would be be something else uh, to see LeBron trying to get yet another ring. I think there would be some nervous excitement there too, uh, just from the fact that LeBron's a killer. And LeBron is very good down the stretch and has proven himself to be pretty clutch. Anthony Davis is having a, as good of a run as ever. You also have the Darvin Ham butt angle. Uh, Darvin Ham definitely knows what Bud's wanting to do and his intricacies, you know, more than, than other teams. So yes, I, I think Bucks Lakers would be fun, but I, and exciting. But I, I do also have a tinge of nervousness, kind of similar to what we talked about with the Warriors. Bucks Suns, it's it would be great to beat the Suns again if we really need to like drive home that we have a, a real we have a, we continue to build real estate in the Suns' head because like they, they it's clear that we are in their head. You know, Monty Williams complaining about the fouls call yesterday. Devin Booker, you know, with that bad offensive foul down the stretch against with Drew Holiday. Like the Bucks are very much in the Suns' head. The Suns, if they make the finals, they do not want to see the Bucks. They want to see anyone other than the Bucks. If they saw the Celtics, if they saw the Sixers, they would feel pretty good about that. I don't think they feel that good if they're playing the Bucks. Now, does Durant change things? Potentially, right? I mean, that's the big thing. The, the Suns right now are probably here. If you add Durant, I probably put the Suns. You know, in that second spot, but I can't commit to Durant because he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So how do I know that I'm going to get Durant for two straight months, right? So that's where I put the Suns there. I, I'd be excited to watch it again. I think there will be a ton of tw 2021 angles with, you know, obviously the rematch, the rub and then also the Durant angle because the Bucks beat Durant to get to, to win the championship. And now they'll, they'll try to do it again, but with the Suns. So you add that into the mix. Bucks Kings would just be exciting from it would be points, 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 points. I don't expect the Kings to make the finals. I think the ceiling for the Kings is the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I do think that it would be an awesome series. It was a little chippy between those two teams. I think that it would add an element to it. Uh, but I do think there would be a pretty easy, you know, on easy street for the Bucks uh, against that Sacramento team. But to me, that's more fun than the other two teams that we're going to list here. Bucks Grizzlies. I, I, it's not that I'm – I think I wouldn't be excited about that one because I'd be a little nervous. Taylor Jenkins has done pretty well against Bud. Uh, you have the John Morant redemption angle if John Morant comes back. Steven Adams kind of neutralizes 
some of the stuff that Brooke Lopez wants to do. Uh, you know, I they don't have a lot to throw at Giannis. Jared Jackson's a foul machine. I think Jared Jackson would get exposed, if anything. Maybe Morant's a little bit easier when you play him, you know, game in, game out. Um, I also, you could argue, you could make a case the Grizzlies shouldn't even be part of this. But there are three seeds in the West, so you at least have to talk about it. Dylan Brooks also being a troll to Chris Middleton would not be fun. Uh, Andrew Holiday. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be a good series. I, I'll say that, but I, I wouldn't exactly be that excited to play the Grizzlies. I think they, they have some good things to throw at the Bucks. Bucks Clippers would be the last one. I just I think with Kawhi, there's a little PTSD there. But if Kawhi's healthy, Kawhi and Paul George are is a really solid combination of playoffs. I realize Paul George has faults in the playoffs, but Kawhi George I've seen or Kawhi George Kawhi Leonard I've seen just flourish in the playoffs and. Win a championship for for the Raptors. I don't know if he can do it with this squad, uh, but Tyloo, really good coach. I I think that series would be good, but it wouldn't be that exciting. It would be one of those where I think it's like a strap in. It's a dogfight for six or seven games. I know the Bucks won, you know, swept it against the Clippers, but if you remember that first game in Milwaukee, they were down significantly. So I, I would be less excited to play that than than the teams mentioned ahead of it even though that you know some of the matchups between those teams have been close. So let me know your final rankings. Hit me up on social for that, Tevin the Keg on Twitter. Tevin the Keg Sports on Instagram. DMs are always open. Before we move to Marquette, let's talk a little bit about Suns Bucks last night. As I mentioned in the open, it was an awesome fourth quarter, fourth quarter for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Suns were close in this game, and then Giannis had a major block. The, the Bucks end up beating the Suns in that fourth quarter, 31-20. to 20. Uh, the Suns really just had that third quarter uh, where it looked kind of similar to the game in Milwaukee, right, where Devin Booker started to go off. You're like, okay, here we go. Uh, are the Suns going to flip the switch here and, and take over the game? They did not, uh, and the Bucks were dominant defensively uh, down the stretch. And we saw this against the Kings, too, and it's just a really good reminder of how good this team is. And Jay Crowder was in the closing lineup. The Bucks happened to pull away. Uh, maybe there's something there. I don't know. Uh, hopefully this this is a sign of things to come. Uh, Grace Allen missed the game with a plantar fascia issue, so it sprung you know Carter at or Crowder as the finisher. He played 24 minutes in this game. He had the dagger three at the end, 11 uh, points for him overall, five rebounds for for Jay. But another great Giannis game. Uh, it, even though he missed 10 free throws, uh, which I I think we can. Ignore Giannis could have had, you know, obviously like 45 points if he made all his free throws or 40, what do we have, 46? Yeah, 46. Um, but I'll ignore that part, uh, that Giannis was pretty bad from the free throw line tonight, uh, because he was good elsewise, you know, 36 points and, and just could not be stopped. They threw so many different guys at him and it, it really just did not work for Phoenix. And, I think that's the worry if you're the Suns, right? If you get to the finals, you have not figured out how to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. Monty Williams continues to complain about foul calls and, like, God bless him, but it, it doesn't really work. And then you throw in the fact that Brooke Lopez has been so good as a scorer recently, uh, 21 points again, uh, a really strong effort for Lopez uh, with 10 rebounds there. Uh, it, it's And he's doing a lot of it inside paint. Like, a lot of his misses yesterday were just from three. Like inside the paint, Brooke Lopez has been dominant. So really good stuff from Brooke. And, you know, they, him and Giannis combined 
Got Aiton into foul trouble. Aiton really didn't get started. He only played 25 minutes in this game because of foul trouble. Uh, and he was, he was brutal. Uh, he had 19 shots in this game, only making eight of them. Uh, Chris Paul really an afterthought. It was Devin Booker and, and nobody else. And Devin Booker even had his struggles against, uh, Drew Holiday. He had five turnovers in this game. Uh, so, and didn't really do much from three, only had one three pointer in this game. So, I, I do think the Bucks shooting that shutting down the Suns, you know, from a three point perspective, eight of twenty three from three overall for the Suns. Uh, the Suns really didn't get to the line. Uh, it was just it speaks to the Bucks defense. Now in two games against the Suns and the or in two games against the Suns, the Bucks have allowed only a hundred and one and hundred and four points. That's pretty good in today's NBA and just sort of again showcases the defense. Another guy worth mentioning before we move on to Golden Kegs is Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles has been really solid off the bench. He's really starting to cook. I think he's fully recovered from the knee injury. I think we can help, can easily say that. Uh, Ingles had seven assists in this game. He had six points, hit, hit a big three, uh, down the stretch, but his combination with Brooke Lopez, the pick and roll stuff that they're doing is really, really strong. And you, you just see the connection there and you see that Joan Brooke have something going and you saw this with Brooke and, and Drew Holiday. You've seen it with Brooke and, and Chris Middleton. And that's, I mean, how do you defend that, right? How do you actually defend all the PNR stuff with Giannis and all the guards and Brooke and all the guards? Like, that's it's pretty damn tough, man. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, as for Golden Kegs, you know, we do this uh, best and worst, you know, from the game. Three kegs, I still would give Giannis, even though he had he missed 10 free throws. I still think it was a really solid game for Angela Kumbo. Felt like he was the best player on the court by far. Uh, 36 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, uh, 2 away from a triple double. So solid night at the office for Angela Kumbo. Two kegs to Brooke Lopez. Uh, 21 in this one, 10 rebounds. A uh, little shoddy from three, but that's okay. You know, that's not, not a big deal. And I'd also throw in Jay Crowder in that mix. I thought Jay Crowder was really good. I think Ingles included as well into that, you know, potential two keg nominee. One keg, uh, Drew Holiday really struggled in this game, was 4-14. Uh, he had five turnovers. Uh, not, not a great Drew game, uh, to say the least. I think a lot of that was exerting energy on the other side, of the uh, other side of the court with Devin Booker. Also, remember he had Darren Fox the night before. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew gets Thursday night off to just you know sort of rest the body uh, against the Indiana Pacers. But the Bucks will be back home. Stinks that they have two games this weekend, both uh, during the NCAA tournament. Uh, hopefully, there's no Bucks uh, Marquette overlap if Marquette were to advance on Sunday. But all in all, man. Good week for the Bucs. Wish it was a 3-0 West Coast road trip. Probably should have been, but I will take 2-1 any time of the week. Moving on, speaking of Marquette, moving on to Marquette, we are getting closer and closer to the start of the NCAA tournament. As mentioned, Technic Egg Madness, make sure that you are joining. Uh, as we said, we, we added another prize with the Retro Daddy Crew Neck. I am going to have another prize. If nobody gets involved, I have an idea for a third prize. So, those will all be there. Um, so hopefully you guys take advantage of that and you have more ways to win. It's not just a hundred dollars and a podcast appearance for the top prize. Then second place gets something, third place gets something. I think that's, that's really cool, right? I think it's an awesome opportunity. So if you haven't taken advantage, it's, uh, it's pinned to my Twitter profile. 
Uh, tapping the keg madness and passwords college hoops. So if you can't, if you aren't on Twitter and you look it up on Yahoo, uh, tapping the keg madness should be there. Just type in the password college hoops and you are, you're good to go. You are set. I wish you luck. Uh, but yeah, we'll push pretty hard today on getting people in and a part of what we are doing there. So as for Marquette, uh, they are the two seed. Uh, there's a lot of hype around Marquette. I think Duke has sort of been the most hyped team in the East region. Uh, and I have stats that will encourage and stats that will scare you about Marquette. I've, it's, I've won a piece for both of these. And we're going to break them down. We're going to talk about them in a little more detail and sort of see what they mean. So stat number one, I always start positive. I'm a positive guy. I've said that to you guys before. This comes from Eric Haslam uh, of Haslam Metrics. Uh, the, the Marquette Golden Eagles are the best team against stronger opponents. So Marquette scores, does much better against stronger teams than anyone else in the country. Eric Haslam says this, a factor called PTF, Paper Tiger Factor, is behind the scenes at Haslam Metrics, measuring if you perform better versus stronger or weaker competition. Per request, here's that metric for the entire NCAA tournament. So Marquette has played 34 games against stronger teams, and they have really, really succeeded. They are one of the best. They are the best. They're not one of the best. They are the best against stronger teams. So when the lights are the brightest, Marquette seems to show up. To me, that's a stat that plays well for the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. If Marquette were to get to the Final Four, I think that is the stat that you look at and you say, okay, this is the one that you you feel most confident. You feel like, all right, this is what makes you think Marquette can go up against anybody. That Marquette is is simply fearless and that they have the ability to beat nearly anyone in college basketball. And that's and it, it's this right here. And it's it's feeling good, you know, against, you know, even the weaker opponents who are, I would say, strong, right? Like if you make the tournament, you're usually a pretty good team. It, every now and again, they're an outlier where they went on a crazy run in the in the tournament or in their conference tournament. They found their way there. They're actually not that good. They're maybe a bad representation of what uh, a conference looked like over the over the the last few months. But most of these teams are strong. So the fact that Marquette you know excels against good teams is really is really a huge thing. And I think something to pay attention to. You know, the teams that are in that top five are Marquette, Miami, TCU, Kent State, and Memphis. So, right, all teams, you know, more in that five, six, eight, Kent State at 13, right? But I, I think it, you know, kind of correlates to some of the things that I believe about that will happen with this tournament. Now, tournament's unpredictable. At any time you think you understand the NCAA tournament, it goes off the rails. Anytime you think it's going to go off the rails, all of a sudden it's about as conservative as a Baptist, you know, sermon, right? So like, I, I don't, I don't know. It could, it could go in a hundred different directions, but that, that, that's that right there makes you feel good about the Golden Eagles, makes you feel good about where, where they sit and gets you ready. And we're going to talk more about the Vermont matchup tomorrow, but Vermont is the performs the best against weaker teams. That where Vermont really excels is against weaker teams. So it's very interesting that the top two teams, you know, when it comes best better performances versus stronger teams, better performance versus weaker teams are the matchup between the two. So that 
that leads me to believe that you should be putting your eggs in, in the Vermont basket. Even if you are a Marquette hater, I don't think that that would be such a good idea. We'll talk more about Vermont uh, and the path, potential path that we see for the Golden Eagles um, upcoming here on tomorrow's show. In terms of the stat that would scare you, uh, this comes from Ken Palm, uh, the revered Ken Palm. Uh, everybody loves Ken Palm, uh, Ken Pomeroy uh, from Utah. Interesting-looking fella. Uh, somebody sent me a picture of them and uh, their buddy and them with Ken Palm. And dude looks like Droopy Dog, uh, but I love his numbers, um, so I'm not going to rip on him too much. Uh, but he does have a stat that is not great against Marquette. In the 64-team era, there have been 36 teams to enter a tournament as a one or two seed that were not ranked in the preseason eight people. They have a combined zero Final Fours and average fewer than two wins per tournament. Good luck to Purdue and Marquette. So Purdue and Marquette, two, the two team top teams in the East, have, have work to do. They've never been to a Final Four as a preseason unranked team. That is absolutely crazy that a top two seed, you know, basically they overperform and they run out of gas is what I read. Now, if you look at this, this is not something that is an every year thing. It did happen last year twice. Arizona and Alabama. Oh, no, it happened. It kind of happens. It's happened once. The last two years, it, it happened. So Arizona was a one seed and they were unranked start the year. They finished in Sweet 16. Alabama, same situation, was a two in 2021. They also finished in the Sweet 16. Virginia, the famous UMBC game was Virginia was unranked to start that year. That that was the UMBC game in 2018. The last team to lose in round one as a two seed when they were unranked was Georgetown in 2013. That was the Florida Gulf Coast team. So it does seem like at least they get out in round two. Every now and again, there's some Sweet 16. They were 0-8 in, in Elite 8 appearances. Uh, the last team to get to an Elite 8 as a one seed, 2016 Oregon. That was the team that beat Duke, but they lost to Buddy Heald and Oklahoma. Uh, the last two seed to find their way to the Elite 8, you know, as an unranked Kansas State. I think that was the Jacob Toppin team. I loved that Kansas State team. They played. But, and, and like, again, so if you want to kind of pick apart the stat, you want to say, all right, well, you know, why, why is this stat maybe somewhat fraudulent or somewhat, you know, not as deep as maybe we think it is? Well, I mean, the lead eight, you know, to lose eight straight elite eight games, there's some variance there. I mean, Ken Pop points that out. Uh, Ken Pop did say that, I think, today. He made the comment that, like, you know, people often complain about preseason rankings, but he sort of shows why they're important to make predictions late in the season. Even 30-plus games don't give you a complete picture of some teams. And then he also pointed out that while some of these teams have massively underachieved, they also have been somewhat unlucky. 0-8 and Elite 8, as he pointed out. The streak will end sometime maybe this year. So, like, it's it's very interesting that, like, he acknowledges, like, this stat is, you know, it's, it's an important thing. It's a case for why you don't pick Purdue or Marquette far, right? Like, this is a warning sign, like, hey, do not ride either of these teams deep. I'm still going to do it because I'm a fan. And, you know, that's just how you you you, have, you started to build confidence. And I'll kind of talk about how how I got there with Marquette. I think, you know, if it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I would pick Marquette to the Sweet 16. And then I'd be like, all right, cool. That's fine. It's not that anymore. It's changed, man. And I, I just feel very good about this basketball team. And I understand that they, there are some things against them. There are things working against this team, but at the same time, I still think the Golden Eagles 
are going to be all right. I think there is a there's a little bit of a worry that they overachieved, and at some point, you know, this is going to go off the rails. You if you combine metrics and you say what could potentially scare you, another team who's performed better against stronger teams is USC and is Michigan State. Both teams have done pretty well when when they've faced better teams. So does that make a case that? Either the Trojans or the Spartans could take down Marquette in the second round, potentially, right? I think from a coaching perspective, you know, Andy Enfield is not in the same range as Shaka, but Tom Izzo is. And so, and Tom Izzo has done this shit so many different times. And so how do you, how do you avoid that? If, if it is Michigan State in the second round, we'll, we'll just have to see. But yeah, we'll get into more of the nitty gritty of Marquette. We'll kind of talk about the paths and everything like that. Uh, on tomorrow's show. Wrap up today's show with some of the free agency departures for the Green Bay Packers. Noel Lazard, Alan Lazard goes to the New York Jets. Uh, four years, $44 million, 22 of that guaranteed. $11 million for Alan Lazard's lot. Uh, I'll just, I just, I know that the wide receivers get overpaid these days. Uh, wide receivers are maybe not at the level of quarterbacks, obviously, but they get a ton of money first, you know, kind of mediocre effort. Uh, Alan Lazard getting similar deal as Marquez Valles-Scantling uh, did get an extra year. Uh, Lazard's an unbelievable blocking wide receiver. He's one of the best in football in that. Uh, he obviously has a relationship with Daniel Hackett, so even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come to the Jets, but I think he is going to come to the Jets, uh, it would be great. You know, they, they, he's going to have some success, you know, with Daniel Hackett. That said, I'm not really that heartbroken that he got that he was given $11 million a year. I think that with the guys they have with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and potentially other wide receivers on the way that Lazard, you know, didn't exactly fit there. Um, and that they need, you know, they, they do need some rookies like they need, or they need some rookies or they need some veterans. I, I don't think you want to go, you know, all young guys, you know, in your receiving core, I think having a couple older established vets, not Sammy Watkins, but, you know, a guy you can get kind of on the cheap, you know, that maybe he's looking for a bounce back, maybe looking for a redemption year. I think that's necessary. I think it's, you know, to go in just completely young seems like a bad move to me, but getting rid of Lazard is not something that I'm that broken up over. I thought Alan Lazard was way too inconsistent. I think there would be games where you'd see flashes. You'd see him, you know, a hundred yard receiving day and six catches. I think other times you'd see, you know, too many body catches and too many drops. I thought his drops last year were alarming. Like, I, that's the part where it's like, if you're paying this guy just because Aaron Rodgers, like, he had a lot of issues from a drops perspective last year. It might not, you might not see it in the stats, but it, it was not exactly like a great year for Alan Lazard in 2022. He did not sort of thrive when Rodgers was banged up. Like, it, it was, he sort of needs Rodgers to be at his peak. Like, I think Rodgers, has made Alan Lazard. They're good friends, right? So him going there is, you know, sort of predictable. And yes, it's the appetizer to the potential Aaron Rodgers trade that we all expect to happen very soon. And uh, we'll see if it we'll see if it happens uh before the Pat Action show. I do think it will. Uh so I think we'll have an idea of what the compensation might look like heading into that show this this afternoon. Uh, the Packers also lost Jared Reed. Uh, Jared Reed goes back to the Seahawks on a two-year deal. Kind of sucks. I wish we could have brought Jared Reed back. I thought Jared Reed did a lot of nice things, especially down the stretch. I thought he was a good compliment with Kenny Clark. 
Uh, I, I would argue that the Packers do need to replace that. Uh, I don't know if it's at a at a starter level, but it's not in the draft. Like that's something you go after, you know, in the free agency period. You look for a guy who can kind of help fill that one stopping need to kind of give Kenny Clark help. And let's not reset ourselves to 2021 or 2019 where Kenny Clark had absolutely no help. Uh, TJ Slayton is is really good. I, I like TJ Slayton. If you're like TJ Slayton's the guy now, and that's why we're, you know, we decided to move off Jared Reed. I understand that. I think Slayton's showed a lot of a lot of good things, right? But I, I still think you need that depth. You need to make sure that you are, you know, adding, you know, guys to rotate in and out because this defensive lineman can't play the entire game. You have to got to kind of have different pieces. So I, I'm okay if Slayton's the starter next year. I'm not okay if the Packers, you know, do not, you know, add to this, right? Especially because they've sort of ran through a lot of these guys, whether it's Dean Lowry, whether it's Tyler Lancaster, uh, Jack Hefflin. Like they've, they've sort of, you know, basically it's been a turnstile a little bit at the defensive line besides Kenny Clark. And so and it's not like any of these guys that look at it are like, oh, God, wish they would have kept Lowry, wish they would have kept, you know, this guy or that guy. But at the same time, it's, it is it is a little bit at the point of like, okay, you, you got to make sure that you're continuing to replenish. And I understand that the Packers do not have, you know, the greatest, you know, cap options. So they're going to – some some team wants to give Jared Reed two years. The Packers probably couldn't do that. They probably they probably only could do a year. And while I think you could restructure and maneuver the cap, it seemed like reading Bill Huber yesterday, who I really enjoy, uh, to me probably my favorite, Big J out of the Packers, he sort of pointed out that, yeah, it's kind of bleak right now for Green Bay. Green Bay can't really do, do a whole lot. And – that stinks. Uh, that's not a great feeling. And maybe maybe they can and they can figure it out and they can maneuver it, you know, in certain ways. But it seems like until the Rodgers thing happens, they they have no they have no moves right now. Once the Rodgers thing happens, and if the Jets take out more compensation, and then Rodgers, you know, then it's off the books, and you can figure out all right, how do we how do we navigate this? What do we do? Um, I think that would be the big part. And if that can happen, maybe that means Green Bay can start signing some guys, start bringing some dudes in. I think like the Darren Waller thing is really frustrating. Darren Waller got traded to the Giants yesterday for a third round compensatory pick, uh, which is essentially a fourth round pick. And Packers offered a second rounder at the deadline. Uh, the Packers have been asking about Waller for two years now. And they gave Waller to the Giants on a lesser deal. Uh, that's pretty brutal, man. Uh, it really sucks. And it just shows you that it takes two to tango. And the Raiders didn't want to tangle with the Packers. And then when the Raiders were ready to move to Waller, the Packers were in no position to trade for Waller. I think had this been two weeks later, and the Packers say the Rodgers deal was done, they had maybe a couple more picks, You know, maybe the Waller thing could have happened. And given and gave Jordan Love, you know, a veteran presence, right? And that's I think all, all we're hoping for that they do add, you know, some sort of veteran, whether it's at a receiver or tight end. But yeah, that Waller thing pissed me off, man. And felt like that was a move the Bucks or the Packers, excuse me, could have made. And and they just didn't. And so it's it's frustrating to say the least, but you know, what what are you gonna do? You can't you can't force a team to trade you. You know, you can't force a team to give you Darren Waller. Uh, that they have to have to agree to it. They they did it, and it's too bad. 
that's uh, that's too bad that they they didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel with uh, their star tight end. So now now he goes to the Giants. I think he'll do really well there. Uh, I think he'll look kind of strange in the Giants uniform. Not gonna lie, like he he looks like a Raider. Like he just had a, a Raider look to him. I don't think the Giant the Giants are sort of clean cut. Like I feel like the Giants are kind of like the Yankees, even though it's not true. Like that Dable's not a clean cut guy at all. But it, it's always like, do you have to like shave your face for uh, was it Mister Mara they call uh, John Mara? I, don't, I, I that's totally not true, but it just feels that way. So we should have a decision on Rodgers. No news as I was taping. Uh, there was the Josh Diamond tender who has a uh, second round tender. I do wonder if some team will try to sign Josh Diamond uh, with that second round tender because the going rate for an offensive tackle right now is guy high. And Josh Diamond could probably start on a lot of rosters so far. So people need need those tackles. Other NFC North free agency stuff real quick before we go. Uh Byron Murphy signed with the, the Cardinals, or uh, signed with the Vikings from the Cardinals. Pretty solid move for the Vikings, not gonna lie. Uh, but the Vikings continue to just kind of, it's almost her pull Bucksash, where they're just doing enough to keep the lights on, but they're not doing enough to go all in. Uh, questions about if they're gonna keep Dalvin Cook and Harrison Smith. I kind of mentioned that yesterday too. Uh, but that's, so we'll have to see what, what happens there. Uh, the Bears, or the Lions, excuse me, signed, uh, David Montgomery. Uh, really interesting one move for them uh, as they're getting rid of Jamal Williams. I would prefer Jamal Williams over David Montgomery. I realize David Montgomery is a talented running back. He's had a lot of injuries. He hasn't really stayed healthy. Uh, maybe, you know, he'll, he'll be revived with Detroit. Uh, but to lose Jamal Williams, to lose the heart and soul of your team, doesn't feel like a good move for the Detroit Lions, if I don't say so myself. Bears also added a running back, too, in Travis Homer. He is nowhere near the level of David Montgomery, but likely trying to rebuild that room and Khalil Herbert being that guy would not surprise me if the Bears do go after one of the bigger running backs in the draft. Like a Jameer Gibbs is similar to Herbert, but I could see them going after Jameer Gibbs, which I would not like one bit. So see what happens with Rodgers today. Uh, I would imagine if Rodgers is in fact traded, we're going to know before that the Packers will not let Rodgers completely control this narrative. Um, I think if there's no deal announced before, uh, I do think that you're going to maybe have a little more of a nothing burger than, than what we expect. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see what happens. It will be very slanted. It will be very one-sided. I know this. I know that we are now the enemy to Rodgers. Uh, but, you know, that's just how it goes, man. Uh, it happens a lot. They always come back around. Favre did. Rodgers will, too. Um, and I'm sure he will speak highly of certain things about the Packers still, even if he's no longer wanting to be a member of this team. All right, that does it. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. All right, see you. Bye.